When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When it comes to sibling rivalry, twins are in a special category of their own. As a parent of twins, you have probably seen your twosome fight over what seems like the silliest things and then make up and become friends all within five minutes. Their twin bond gives them a unique advantage and a challenge to getting along. I'm Dr. Lori Rappaport, clinical psychologist and founder of the Growing Up Great Parenting Program, here to talk about managing sibling rivalry between twins. This is Twin Talks, episode 18. The ultrasound shows your babies to be healthy. What? Did you say babies? You're huge. Are you having twins? Are they natural? Which one do you like better? Twins, huh? My neighbor's cousin's brother's uncle's a twin. So can they read each other's minds? How do you tell them apart? Twins? You got a two for one. Do twins run in your family? Double trouble. You're not having any more, are you? At least you're not Octomom. If you're pregnant with twins or you're an experienced twin parent, odds are you've heard it all before. Now it's time to hear from the experts. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. Welcome to Twin Talks, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Twin Talks is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for expecting and new parents of twins. I'm your host, Christine Stewart-Fitzgerald. Have you heard about the Twin Talks Club? Our members get bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. Subscribe to our monthly Twin Talks and newsletter and learn about the latest episodes available. And another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Twin Talks app. It's available in the Android and the iTunes Marketplace. So before we get started, um, let's go around the room. We've got some panelists here, and there are expert uh, twin parents. And uh, over here, we're going to start with Andrea. Hi, I'm Andrea Lehman. I'm 43. I'm an economist. I have three kids, a seven-year-old boy and five-year-old fraternal twin girls. I am Casey Haynes. I'm 37. I'm a special education uh, teacher at a middle school. I have a five-year-old girl and boy-girl twins at 21 months. Shelly Steely, I'm the producer here at Twin Talks. I also teach high school history, and I have identical twin boys who are just about 20 months. And Shelly, you know, I think um, we wanted to make sure we let our listeners know we've got a special program, the Virtual Panelist Program. Yeah, so you can follow us um, at home if you're not able to be here in the studio. We have our Facebook page. You can like us on Facebook and look for questions there. We also have Twitter. You can follow us there. And if you want to join in the conversation through Twitter, you can use hashtag TwinTalksVP. And that way you can give us your questions and we can let you interact from the comfort of your own home. All right. And I'll introduce myself as well. I'm your host, Christine Stewart Fitzgerald. And um, I'm mom to twin girls that are four and a half years old. Um, and then I also have a singleton who is uh, 17 months old. So we've got all girls. <laughs> Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So we're always looking for 
headlines about twins in the news to keep you posted with the latest information. Um, Recently, we found a family that thought that they were getting triplets and ended up with much more. So this family had trouble conceiving, um, decided to go through a surrogate, found out very early on that the family they were going to adopt from was having triplets. The family considered themselves very blessed. You know, they they thought they might never had one child and now they were going to end up with three. Even crazier is that while they were waiting for the triplets to arrive, the mother found out that she was spontaneously pregnant with twins (laughs) after years of infertility. And so she ended up with triplets. And then just, I think, about less than nine months later, twins of her own. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. So we're talking five babies within a nine-month span? Yes. <laughs> yep. I, I, I know that. To me, that's just mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah, from zero kids to five in, in less than a year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, and I'd be interested, I mean, um, you know, did she do have a different feeding routines, you know, like for the first set versus, you know, the second set? And I just have no idea what you <laughs> what you even do with that many small children. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely need some. I mean, more. I, I, I'm thinking, gosh, when I had twins, I had an extra set of hands for the first couple months. So you need maybe two adults, three adults. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, that's what I was thinking. I was, I was pondering in my head. I was like, okay, bottles, that's one thing. Then when the ones are on solids, the ones are not on solids. I'm thinking bath time. Oh my gosh, bath time. <laughs> you need a big net. You just dip them all in and then lift the whole net back out. You know, I think you'd probably just bathe two kids a day, right? Yeah. Just as long as it was a day, rotate them through. Get one of those, um, you know, those kidney tables they have in kindergarten classrooms. You oh, could probably you just sit each one of them and one of those. No, I never, I mean, I wouldn't think that it was strange for me to find out that they didn't know that the mom they were adopting from was having triplets when they signed the paperwork. I mean, <laughs> gosh, that must have been a surprise in and of itself. It did say that they're um, they're involved in their church and they've got plenty of people signed up and helping out. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And we have to say, gosh, you know, I mean, adoption, I think that's like such a, a noble thing. And then to do three and then... Wow, you know, and I'm, you know, there's probably could have said, well, wait a minute, <laughs> we're we're over our heads, but you know, continuing to do that, that, yeah, that is amazing. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing the Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Today's topic is managing sibling rivalry between twins. And we're here with Dr. Lori Rappaport um, looking at how we can help our twins channel their natural instincts into more... Uh, collaboration and less conflict. And, you know, and I, I should note now our, our speaker today, she is actually an expert in twins as well, because she's a mom of twins. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've much survived it. They're in college now. So they're not, they turned 19 a month ago. <laughs> and they're they're sandwiched between a 22 year old and a 16 year old. So yes, the early years were quite active. <laughs> <laughs> so um, well, tell us I mean, help us understand what sibling rivalry is in the, the general sense. In the general sense, sibling rivalry is normal, and it happens in all families, and it's basically jealousy and competition and fighting between siblings, um, and it happens when you have more than one. So any, I mean, so any kids, I mean, whether they're boy, girl, 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 you know, the 
All kids have those issues. At any given time, they're angry about something. They're jealous about something. They're jealous and fighting for parents' attention, for control of the television, for the first seat in the car. Um, Any of those things that start early on as, as early as before they can walk. Wow. And now, I mean, we, you know, usually we think of this as being, you know, um, based on, you know, conflict and we think of it as being really negative. I mean, are there any positive aspects to sibling rivalry? Yeah, there are a lot of positive aspects. If you think about the family as being the place where you learn relationships and it's your first place to understand how to relate to people, um, having a sibling is, is an important thing because you are learning how to give and take, how to share, how to negotiate, conflict resolution, empathy, caring about someone. Um, recognizing that other people have feelings and other people have wants and desires. And that's all very, very important. When you don't have a sibling and you don't have that experience, because as parents, if you have only one child, we do everything that child wants. We don't really say, no, I don't want to play Candyland. I want to play Shoots and Ladders. We go with them. So they really don't get that experience of having to wait and getting frustrated and, you know, negotiating and conflict. So it is a very, very important thing. And it's healthy. So this is really, a, I mean, an important part of what we'd say socialization. I mean, you know, we all know that that twins seem to get socialization, much more socialization than um, singletons would. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think everybody enters kindergarten with a different need. Some need to learn how to be socialized and how to share and how to interact, especially if they don't have siblings. And other kids need how to figure out their individuality when they are sometimes part of a sibling group, either many siblings or a multiple, where they don't have as many opportunities to focus on themselves and and develop their own identity. So everyone has a different task at that point. How about... um twin sibling rivalry compared to sibling rivalry between you know the kids of different ages how is it different is it is it you know very different well it is different just like almost everything is different when you have <laughs> you know going to starbucks is different you can't carry two, two baby seats and then have a have a hand for a drink so it is different um but twins have built-in buddies and that's a great thing and we all know when you have twins and you need to run an errand they have someone to be with but twins also then have natural built-in competition There's a natural mirror. There's a natural comparison for us as parents. Why is she doing that and she's not doing that? Um, You know, or who did something first? And so it makes it a little bit more difficult because um, there's more competition among twins. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, for for those here, um, our panelists, um, who've got more than, you know, twins plus one, do you see any difference between the way that your your twins are, you know, interacting with your, um, between themselves or with your other other kids? I definitely see a difference. Um, Having just the singleton, um, she had a cousin and they were three months apart. So you saw, I guess, that type of rivalry. But then when the twins came along, I remember going on to a chat group and being like, okay, somebody please tell me this is normal because they're fighting. Like, why are they fighting? They shouldn't be fighting. Like, they're too young to fight. What's going on? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> um, it, it is very different. Yeah. Any, anyone else? <laughs> We, uh, our first Christmas picture, my twins were born in October, was we have this photo where one looks like she's punching the other one in the nose, and it just sort of, I mean, at that age, of course, it's not deliberate, but just the fact of having two of them wanting, having the same needs at the same time, and it being so overwhelming, it just, uh, compared to having the one, it's just 
you know, well, I've heard somebody say, you know, having the second kid, this isn't even with multiples, but it's not double the work. It's exponential. Oh, and, uh, absolutely. You know, yeah. with twins, it's, I don't know what the, you know, to the third power. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's different is there's not a natural boundary that there is between singletons where you have a, a two-year-old and maybe a five-year-old and the five-year-old has a capacity to understand a little bit differently. So there's a different boundary and different expectations Twins also can share a room. They spend a ton of time together. They might be in the same classroom. So there really isn't that space for them in the same way to develop their own individuality. Um, And oftentimes as parents, sometimes out of need and sometimes because we don't think about it, we keep them together all the time. And we're reluctant to take one to the grocery store and leave one. Um, And so, you know, splitting them or taking one to do something and not the other. And so we create this togetherness and this lack of a boundary between them where they don't get to experience that individuality quite as often as our singletons do, because one might be in school and one might be home with you. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we were so in other words, we're really um, encouraged kind of at a subconscious level, <laughs> we're creating this this situation. Well, in some ways, you know, one of the things parents talk about in general, not just parents of twins, is making things fair. And what you have to realize as a parent is life is not fair. And if life were fair, kids would hate that because that means if I get to go on a play date, but your sibling doesn't have one, you don't get to go on one. And if somebody has a piece of chocolate at school, but the other one isn't going to get one in their class, you can't have it. So when you explain it to kids like that, they don't want the world to be fair. But in the moment when somebody gets to leave with mom and the other person isn't going or someone went to do something that they didn't get to do, they cry, it's not fair. And when you explain, well, are you sure you want things fair? They usually think about it. And we We worry about being fair, but it all does come around in the end. Someone may go with you somewhere one day, but the other one may go another day or someone may have a play date and have that opportunity. But in a couple of weeks, the other one will have that opportunity. And in the end, we assume that it's all going to shake out, Um, you know, and that, again, the only difference there and the only time it is different is often when you have a, a sibling with special needs and there's a difference, you know, between the two. But in, in a typical pair of twins, eventually it all kind of becomes even. Becomes even. Yeah. So what, I, what I've experienced is that we, I keep hearing that we need to take them separately and spend independent time with them and let them do things. But, I mean, as any twin mom knows, how do you do how? that when you're, you know, you've got one parent at home during the day and one parent at work or you have errands or other kids. And to me, it always seemed so completely overwhelming because to, to do things separately with them seems to double our workload for twin moms. So is that, you, right. you know, you kind of feel that of course, little bit and of guilt because, you know, you're, you're keeping them together out of convenience. Well, don't feel guilt because that's a practicality. We're really talking about opportunities to be creative. And that might be when your partner's home and you have to run out to the, to the market rather than leave them both, take one. You know, it's much easier when you're a twin mom. Oh, taking one kid is a breeze. And when you're a twin mom with other children, if you have four kids, taking three is a piece of cake. Once you're down one Mm -hmm. from whatever number you have, life feels different. So you take one to the market with you or on a Sunday morning, you're going to go for a run or go do something. You just take one. It doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be all the time. And it might even be taking one and going to give them a bath and leaving the other one with 
with someone else uh, or, or reading a book in a room and not assuming that both of them have to hear the book at the same time. When you look at the studies that look at what's reinforcing to kids, it's not buying them toys. It's time with a parent that most kids will say if if they're getting rewarded and we do all those wonderful charts and we say, oh, we'll go to Toys R Us and pick you out. It's not really about that. It might be just going for a frozen yogurt or going to the park with your parent by yourself. So that's an important thing to think about. And we can all be creative in some way or another to figure out a little bit of time each week. And it could be as little as 15 minutes, um, you know, or even five minutes to read a book that gives them that individual time and makes them feel special and unique. Mm-hmm. That's certainly that's really important. Um, now, shifting gears a little bit here. Um, now, one question that seems to, you know, come up, I think, between a lot of us twin parents is, does, does birth order um, have any effect on sibling rivalry? You know, birth order, if you're talking about twin birth order, mm-hmm. the twins really don't remember who came out first, but we make an issue of it. And if you think about it, parents will say, oh, he's older, or she's older, or she's a minute older. And we start to attribute long before they have any any idea, we attribute those characteristics. Oh, she's bossy, but she's the older one. And we do that in a lot of ways, not just with birth order, but with the athletic one versus the creative one or the quiet one versus the active one. And when we label kids in that way, especially when they're young, it becomes sometimes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it also limits them from feeling like they can venture into the area that the other twin is, quote, the expert in. So it's really important for us as parents to be cautious about labeling um, and making those kinds of generalizations because the kids absorb that before, long before they can even speak. Hmm. So it's, I mean, it's really our projections upon them. Mm-hmm. Now, in my case, I'll just say my girls, um, we've never actually had discussions about who came out first. So um, so they're really not even aware of who's twin A and, and who's twin B. So, um, I, you know, it doesn't really factor in at mm-hmm. all. Um, it's kind of a non-issue. So I don't know if anyone here has had that. My mother-in-law gave the girls, one girl, the big sis shirt, which I thought was bizarre. And I wish I had confiscated it before oh, it ever came out gosh. of the box. But she'll say, I'm baby A. She'll introduce herself. She went through a phase. She'd introduce herself. I'm baby A. I'm baby B. But um, in terms of the behavior in the rivalry, I don't see it. I'm kind of sad that I don't have a middle child because the middle child is the... <laughs> peacemaker right and overly responsible and this and that and I feel Not like always. I miss <laughs> uh, I have two I middle like I children <laughs> I, I don't think either one creates peace in my family <laughs> we're, we're usually we're, I mean a lot of us here have you know younger younger twins here um, at what age do you think most parents start to see uh, different types of uh, the signs of twin you know sibling rivalry you can see it as early as they can move and be near each other You know, they can roll over and grab something away from each other or push or get annoyed um, (laughs) or crawl over each other. But you often see it. Toddlerhood is more of a time where people tend to see that because they're starting to assert their needs and their awareness and they can physically get around each other. And they have a very limited tool bag of, of verbal words to use to express how they feel. So much of it at that time is physical. So we see a lot more rivalry in that way because as they get frustrated, they start to grab or push or, you know, hurt, bite, pinch to mm-hmm. get what they're wanting, you know, hmm. from the other one. 
I mean, that's interesting because I, th- you know, I think many of us think of the rivalry as being more um, verbal communication, but clearly you're saying it's 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 the physical action of just competing for space, even. Well, because underneath it all is really that need, that competition, the jealousy, and that need for independence. Later on, it gets extremely verbal. <laughs> and if you have girls, they're verily ver- very verbally aggressive. I mean, we know girls are, you know, use verbal aggression a whole lot more than the boys do. Boys are much more physically aggressive for a longer time because girls tend to develop their language a little bit faster. But yes, they can become extremely mean. Um, but in the early years, when, when we're talking when sibling rivalry first emerges, there's a lot of mine. Um, no, <laughs> you know, and a lot of physical demonstrative behavior to back that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my twins, one was always ahead with the verbal and fine motor, and one was always ahead with the gross. So the one that started walking first, the other one was so mad. She would pull her <laughs> over. She'd knock her over. She'd walk oh by. Gosh. She'd knock her over. <laughs> and when you talk about the physical, that's my girl can be more verbal than my son, but my son is very physical. We've had the biting, the hitting, we've had chokeholds, we've had takedowns. Uh, even at daycare, they've, we've already been doing timeouts because at daycare he'll do it to her there, and she's the in the face with the finger, no, no, no. Um, and sometimes she will get aggressive, and there is a lot of fighting over my lap. A lot. And it's like I've got two knees. I'm not that small. Everybody can fit, but it does not work. So one of the ways to deal with that when they're fighting over something in particular, let's say it's a toy, is taking the toy away, is timing out the toy. And you give them a warning and say, look, if you can't figure out how to share this, then it's going away. Laps can be the same thing. If you can't figure out how to sit without doing that, nobody gets to sit. So rather than say, okay, one or the other, and you referee it, you make it so that that it's off limits to everyone. So they learn that when they do that with each other, they lose what they want, not mom referees it and who wins, who, who's, you know, who does mom go to first? Well, we've got a lot of great discussion going on. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about how parents can really help their twins learn how to work through this rivalry. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, welcome back. Today we're talking with Lori Rappaport about how to manage twin rivalry. Let's look at some of the things that parents can do to help twins reduce that friction. So uh, we, we've talked about, um, we're going to start to dive into how parents can uh, address that, especially with, with young kids. Um, now, are, th- are there any particular ages or, or phases um, when sibling rivalry is, is more intense or is it just kind of, you know, constant throughout? You know, it changes over the course of your kid's uh, developmental span in your house. And it can be very physical early on, then it gets more emotional and more intense. And it really depends a lot on kids' personalities, on the constellation of the family. Are they the only ones there? Are there two more or three more siblings around? So it's really hard to say um, because in some families it can be more in the younger years, in some families it can be more in the middle or older years. Hmm. 
And and then I think you're saying also that when you, if we have additional children, if those are introduced to the family, that right. might could change the dynamics and, and mm-hmm. intensify it. Or right, you may see the twins align. I've seen that with families that I've worked with, where the twins align again with each other against other siblings in the family, and those you know they have a special bond. They get along really well, but it's their rivalry with the other kids in the family who are the singletons who feel sort of on the outside, outnumbered two against one. Wow. Now, what can parents do, um, yeah, and what, what should the parents' role be in diffusing um, conflict um, between the, the two? Well, one common mistake that we make as parents is we rush to get angry at the child who, if we're seeing conflict, initiates it. So we know that attention in any form is good, negative as well. So here we are, you've got this injured child, maybe, or the one who lost their toy, and we're running and focusing on the other one while that one's crying. It's really important to go to the other child first when you see the conflict happen because you don't want to reinforce the child who's the aggressor getting all the attention. You want to ignore them and sit and talk to the other one. What happened? Yes, I saw that. I'm so sorry. That wasn't very nice of him. It looked like he wanted your crayons and he shouldn't have grabbed them. We don't grab things from people. So as you talk to the other child to help validate their feelings, the way you say it, the other twin is listening to. And, <laughs> and so you're not really directing your conversation solely to the consolable twin. You're really trying to get the other twin to understand what just happened. You're observing the interaction and you're explaining explaining what went on. And that's a very important thing to do um, because they need to learn the process of what happened, not just you referee and, and deal with the outcome. We, because otherwise it will happen again. We want them to see how they got there and what they need to do to avoid getting there in the future. So when you watch, you know, for a rule as when you look at conflict, rather than step in and fix it, and referee, because then it becomes conflict between you and them. You're picking who gets what. But it's much better to observe what you're seeing, to note and make an observation of what their feelings are, why they're angry, reiterate that, give them empathy, and ask them how they might handle this. Well, gee, Susie, you want those crayons to use, and Bobby, you're wanting those too. How how are you going to figure that out? How can you both use the red one at the same time? What, what can you do? So you can be part of the conversation without decide, being the deciding factor. And, you know, the last thing we want to be, sometimes you don't want to hear the word mom. You don't want to be a referee. <laughs> you don't want to add that. Right. And you don't want to add that to your list. And oftentimes you can feel like the referee. So tattling is a big one, too. We don't want to encourage tattling. Yet we do need to know when kids are doing unsafe behaviors. Um, so we encourage them oftentimes to come talk to us rather than to take it into their own hands and be physical. But we've got to be careful that we have follow through with it. Well, if we ask kids to come to us and they tell us what's going on and then we don't assist in the process, they're going to get frustrated pretty quickly and stop coming and take it into their own hands. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if we ask them to come, we need to stop and sit down and understand what's happening, not fix it, but facilitate that interaction between the two of them. And so facilitation really is is taking on the role of more of a, a coach rather than 
the, the referee and guiding them through that, that process. Like you'd mentioned the process and, and maybe you can kind of summarize that again. I mean, what, what are sort of the steps that the parents need to, to go through? I think. In- right. Well, one thing you have to look at is the age of your kids. So if you're talking about the young toddlers, the twos, even into the threes, there's not a whole lot of rationalizing that we can do and discussion. It's, it's almost better to redirect them and distract them to kind of comment on what you see. Notice, well, you're angry because you both wanted to use crayons. What if someone used this one and someone used that one and then you can trade? So you help them come up with an option um, and generate an option because at that age, they're not going to be able to. They're going to be kind of stuck. And so if you can distract them and redirect them, it works. With a little bit older kids, you know, the fours, fives, they understand feelings a little better. So you want to describe what you see label the anger that you see, the angry feelings that you see, give them empathy for, yes, it's frustrating when you have you have a color you want to use and, and you can't use it right away and you want to color that part of the picture I can see. Is there another part of the picture you can color while you wait? So you try to give them some options and then step back and see if they can work it out. So what are you guys going to do? How are you going to handle this? You, you kind of help them with both sides of that and then step back and see if they can address it together. Mm-hmm. So I'm four and five, I, mean, I know my girls, um, they're, they're definitely getting to the point where they can, you know, we talk about, oh, sh- you know, how can we share and can we, do we take turns? Do we want to, you know, count, you know, to 30 and you get to, you know, play with this and then you get to play with that or <laughs> mm-hmm. what are, I was just curious here, um, what are some of the ways that, um, you know, you guys have offered some uh, solutions? Um, it's, it's been a little bit difficult, um. Right now, one of the issues we have, and it's not out of malice, my son will take something that my daughter is playing with, and the fun thing to do is to take it and run. Her first reaction is to scream. So then I go up to her and, you know, try to talk to her in the best way possible at 21 months. And in the meantime, he sees that. And a lot of times I'll say, you know, can you please give that back to your sister? And He's getting better about that. They're getting better. I'll say, can you please give this to your sister? Can you please? Sometimes it works. Sometimes it backfires on me. But I'm just, re- I'm, I'm really trying. <laughs> but it's, it's not it easy. It sounds like a game for him. Yes. Oh, and he enjoys the attention. And what he's getting from you is, okay, can you please? And he's got all this power and control. So what I would suggest if you see it, now it's different when you don't see things and often we don't, but if you see him take that, then you want to let her scream and go address him and say, it's not okay to steal things from people and you need to go to timeout. And I would put him in timeout for taking things away and running with it. So it's an aggressive behavior. It's not like biting or kicking, but it still is an aggressive behavior. You're grabbing something and running that doesn't belong to you. And if you flash forward, where does that get you 10 years from now? Not a good thing in middle school. No. So (laughs) so really important to teach that. And we reserve time out for aggressive behavior. We don't reserve time out because you're whining, but we use time out because you're kicking or you're biting or you're screaming. And that's very important to use right away. And I would put that behavior in that category. And then I would go talk to your daughter. It wasn't very nice. Empathize with her feelings, but then let her know. But you don't need to scream. You can say that wasn't nice. So give her something else to do to deal with the feelings she has rather than scream. So on the, in that same vein, kind of, um, what I've noticed is I have 
one one of my sons will take toys. We call him Swiper because he just like walks <laughs> up and snatches it. But what what I've noticed is the problem is is that so Sawyer will take a toy more often than than Grayson would. Um, but a lot of times Sawyer will just walk over and kind of demand the toy by offering a hand. Grayson will hand it right over, and then start crying. And and we're you know we're how do you how do I convince this child like if you wanted the toy don't give it to your brother well it's hard to rationalize at that age because your kids are what twenty twenty one yeah. months um, but you're opening up a topic we could have a whole show about which is you know the personalities as they emerge there is one that might be the leader or the more assertive and one that really doesn't have a lot of needs and ninety percent of the time is willing to give up and doesn't care and how do you as a parent when you watch that it's so difficult, especially if you as a parent identify with that underdog child because you were like that and your siblings treated you like that. And so much of how we respond to sibling rivalry has a lot to do with our own family history and our own experiences as siblings with or without. And we often feel most protective of those siblings who have the same birth order as we do Um, or, you know, of siblings who are aggressing toward one where you had that same situation in your family. Hmm. And I would imagine, too, for uh, when we see, you know, the younger kids and they become really physical, um, either hitting or, you know, biting. And and I'm sure that, that I mean, I know for me, it kind of it struck a nerve because I feel like, wow, you know, the one who's being attacked is very vulnerable. Um, so what would you say to the parents whose twins are, are you know, more physical, physical. In, that, in that regard? It's normal behavior because until you have really the language and the capacity to say what you're feeling, you express it by, you know, by being physical. But it has, there has to be a no tolerance. It's not, oh, don't do that, or we've talked about that. It's an immediate timeout. That is the behavior. Those physical behaviors are zero tolerance and need to go to timeout, not with anger in a very neutral way, but a very clear message. We don't hit. We don't bite. You need to be in timeout. And you put that child in timeout. If they get physical with each other, which often happens, and it's hard to know who started, they both go to timeout. And with twins, it's extremely important to have two timeout spaces. With singletons, we have one, and that's fine. With twins, there's often a time where we have both of them there. So we'd have to have two spaces very separate from each other, two very separate clocks, uh, clocking their time so that you are not the monitor of that. And doing a a twin timeout, uh, would they have the same amount of time you know, as each other, or does it depend on sort of the, the severity of one being the aggressor and the other one reacting to it? Or The purpose of timeout isn't punishment. It's truly a timeout. It's you've gotten out of control and you can't get a handle on your behavior and you've done something that shows you're out of control and you need to figure that out. We, as many times as you say to a child, stop, 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 they don't because we can't control their behavior, only they can. So timeout is really a tool to teach them how to calm down and be in control. So it's not a punishment. We, the rule of thumb is one minute per year. So if you have two-year-old twins, they're going to be in timeout for two minutes, regardless of what they did. Following that, if they're not calmed down, we give them two more minutes. So we'll give them another timeout if they're still screaming, raging, running to hit somebody again or do something that deserves, you know, oftentimes kids go in and out of timeout in the morning because they're getting very physical and very active. That's okay. Don't think it's not working, which often parents say it doesn't work and we give up keep putting them in time out. You have to be consistent. You have to follow through every time so they realize, oh, okay, this isn't going to work, is it? I'm going to be back here. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, Lori, uh, for joining us today. 
uh, for more information about managing sibling rivalry between twins or for more information about any of our experts or panelists, uh, you can visit our episode page on our website. Now, this conversation does continue for members of our Twin Talks Club. And then after the show, Dr. Rappaport will share extra tips for redirecting your twins to collaboration. And for more information about the Twin Talks Club, visit our website, TwinTalks.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> And we've got a question from one of our listeners uh, who called into our voicemail. It's Allison from Massachusetts. And she says, you know, I'm carrying twins and I was told that there's a higher risk of gestational diabetes compared to singletons. Is this true? And is there anything that I can do to prevent it? Allison, my name is Sean Donishman. I'm a perinatologist at the San Diego Perinatal Center. Um, excellent question. Yes, uh, with twin gestations, we we think it's because of the increased uh, hormones, but you are at an increased risk of developing gestational diabetes. If uh, you have any family history of it, for example, if mom had diabetes, or let's say you had a, a very large baby that you delivered previously, you want to get screened much earlier. If your body mass index is more than 30, you want to get screened earlier in the pregnancy. How you avoid it is your preconception body weight is within normal limits. That certainly reduces the chance of this. Uh, Again, eat very healthy. So I tell patients, you know, more fruits and vegetables, obviously, a lot more vegetables. You know, I tell patients, you know, limit your animal-based protein during pregnancy. Uh, (laughs) I may be saying things that nutritionists may not like. But again, it's targeting inflammation. We always talk about Inflammation is the key factor. So anything that's uh, potentially more inflammatory, avoid. And more basic foods you consume, the better it is, the healthier it is. Because your body pH is 7.36. Your body cells reside in a more alkaline environment. So alkaline types foods are fruits, vegetables, beans, grains, those things. So the best way to avoid it, again, I'm going to go back to the question is, before you get pregnant, but during pregnancy, really watch what you're eating. Make sure you're exercising. Exercise is very important during pregnancy. You know, we don't talk about it as much, but again, uh, at least 30 minutes of some sort of an aerobic activity. If your physician or your uh, care provider doesn't see any other contraindications uh, for, to exercise, definitely do that. And those all will help reduce the risk of developing gestational diabetes. So that wraps up our show for today, and we appreciate you listening to Twin Talks. Join in on the discussion by posting your comments on the Twin Talks Facebook page or by calling our voicemail at 619-866-4775. And don't forget to check out our sister shows. We have Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, The Boob Group for Moms Who Breastfeed Their Babies, and Parent Savers, an online support group for new parents. And next week, we'll be talking about breastfeeding away from home. This is Twin Talks Parenting Times 2. This has been a new Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care. 
and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.